I'm going to come to you in just a second, but I'm going to go to somebody even more special than you, Gordon. I'm going to go to the person that's actually singing that song, Mr. Dave Arcari. Welcome to the Christmas special. Hey, Gordon, how you doing, man? Very well, Dave. Now, for for two series of this podcast, we've not had any really music to talk about or to play, but you very kindly said we can play Whiskey Trail. Now, I know that in that song there's a little reference to 1833 and Glengoyne. What's the story? <laughs> well, actually, it's quite a long story, but to try and make a long story or a short story longer than it maybe should be, it started way, way, way back um, when when I started taking some Glengoyne across the US tours and stuff and helped try to spread the gospel. Um, well, can I just stop you there, Dave, because that's the last time I met you. You were heading to Nashville with Glen Goyne in your back pocket. And I thought, that's wonderful, <laughs> heading to bourbon country. It'd be easy to slip into bourbon. But I think, like your music, you take the best of America and make a bit of put Scottishness in there. And is it the same well, with your whiskey? Ab- absolutely. We've got to get them off the bourbon. <laughs> because, actually, there's nothing wrong with it. It just wouldn't be my... It would have to be the last thing in the house before I drink it. I much, much prefer scotch. So you're, you're heading to America with Glen Goyne? Yes, and, and there were two aims of that, as I say, just to try and let people know that this is Scotch. Jameson's isn't Scotch. <laughs> it's all right. I quite like it, but it's not Scotch. And the other thing that always sort of bugged me when I was over there, at shows, people would always want to buy me drink. Now, I'm, who am I to complain about that? Yeah. But they, they would want to do, they'd call Jameson Scotch, and then they'd want to do it as shots. Now... I'm not a big fan of drinking shots. If I'm drinking spirit, it's going to be whiskey, and I want to sip it and enjoy it, not just down the hatch, unless it's something that's bogging. So that that was my mission, and I, and I took the stuff round about. I think it was about a eight thousand mile tour that year in the states. So it wasn't only Nashville; it was it was all over Midwest, East Coast, um, everywhere, Southern states. And Dave, you had. Right, you had two tours this year lined up. Two lined up for this year in the States and oh. both had to be knocked in the head. So the, all the visa costs and ever not to mention all the six months of planning last year all down the tubes. But hey ho, that's 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 the way it goes. There's good times and there's frustrating times. Oh <laughs> Dave, I know. And uh, just a little bit about yourself, Dave, for the listeners of Whiskey Unscripted. You're a big whiskey man, but a big blues man as well. Well, my, I, I, I play and write all, all, all my own stuff. I, mean, I do do some some updated versions of old, you know, sort of pre-war Delta Blues things, but by and large, it's my own stuff. It's all blues, Americana-influenced, and a lot of slide guitar. Um, Whiskey Trail has uh, is, is turned out to be a banjo tune, and that song really came about because way back I did, I've got a song called Whiskey in My Blood. and Love it. Um, Love it. Everybody was kind of keen that we we did something with that, but it it doesn't really promote sensible drinking. So uh, I went away and I thought I should re- I'd, I'd like to write a song that wasn't so much about Glengoyne, but maybe more accurately reflected the brand values behind mm. behind the brand and the whiskey. So the whole song really, although it doesn't mention Glengoyne, as you pointed out, it mentions 1833, it mentions the wild goose, um, that the whole thing's unhurried and taken care of and independence and all, all the things that you embody and I embody as a musician. So there's a lot of like-mindedness in there. I love that, Dave. Dave, we, we want to speak more and we'd love to do that in the new year, but this is the Christmas special. You will be having a dram or two over Christmas. Let's just say, if I gave you three of any dram that you could get your hands on, what will Dave or Carrie be sipping over the next few weeks? 
Well, number one on my list would be one that that I think is 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 um, is probably impossible because I don't think you do the Glengoyne fifteen-year-old anymore. Um, no. So I guess it would have to be a twelve or an eighteen. Right. That's... I'd probably err on the side of the twelve. Actually, twelve and fifteen. Fifteen was my very favourite. So that's that bourbon influences sherry casks, but there's also some bourbon barrel influence in those two whiskies that you've mentioned. The twelve yes, and fifteen. That's what just just tips the balance. It does, and it, and it kind of just, it's got a wee bit more of an edge than the 10, but once you start getting up beyond 18 years, for me, personally, I'm happy to drink it, but it's, it's the 12 and 15, and moving it up, just moving up to the 18, but 15 was a, was a brilliant balance of flavours for me. Fantastic. Um, so Keep an eye, that, Dave, that... You, you never know what might happen in the future. So we've got the, <laughs> we'll give you the 15. Okay, dram two uh, of three. Dram two would be what is probably my current favorite and it's maybe just because it's it's you know it's it's new and it would be a smokehead rum rebel ah yes 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 now that is a magnificent dram i love it it's absolutely a taste of scotland taste of isla and a little bit that caribbean in there as well (laughs) (laughs) and coming a close a close second to that my third would be another smokehead and it would be the Sherry Ball, yeah, yeah. which was my favourite until they launched Rome Rebel. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is fantastic. Smokehead is it's just building and building, isn't it? A great following. Uh, and I imagine the circles you move in, Dave, it's just, it's just it says everything about that well, lifestyle. We're quite well aligned. We're yeah. quite well aligned. I mean, that's a whole story that we'll hopefully uh, uh, sometime in the future get to get to chat about. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that Absolutely. in the bag for, for the future. Dave, we've got so many plans and uh, next year you'll be definitely featuring them. Just for our listeners, uh, where can we catch some of your music? Not obviously live, sadly, at the moment, but where can we point them to go and listen to some more? Well, it's all on Apple Music and Spotify and all the streaming and download services. But the hub, the hub of all all my music and links and everything and video is my own website, which is www.davearcarry.com. Dave, thank you very much. Thanks for using the music. Enjoy the whiskies and a Merry Christmas to you, Dave. All the best. Thanks, Gordon. Same to you guys. On the whiskey trail, posting ahead. On the whiskey trail What do you think of that intro, Gordon? Oh, fantastic. What a man. That's not bad whiskies he's chosen. And I didn't say just because we're IMD, Ian McLeod, I didn't force him to choose those whiskies. But that's that's not a bad lineup. It's not a bad lineup at all. Not a bad lineup at all. Gordon, how this, are you, sir? Very well, Gordon. This is our Christmas special, the last um, whiskey unscripted of the year. This yep. is episode twelve yep. of this season, and this is also episode twenty-eight of Whiskey Unscripted. It's not. Did you know that? <laughs> that is like, I mean, do you think people binge listen to it like they watch binge watch box sets? Do you oh. think people? I've not heard of particularly that many people binge listening you, hours I, on end of Whiskey Unscripted, if I'm honest. Well, I, no, I, I have to correct you there. I forget his name, though. Um, we did have someone who was binge listening a couple of weeks ago. He contacted Podbean, where the show is hosted. And you, if you go to Podbean, the website, uh, you can actually interact with us there. And I do apologise, I've not got it open, but he did binge listen the entire first series. Well done! Well done, I say. Well, well done, sir. Gordon, we've got quite a, a busy show. Hopefully we'll have people pop up and wish us Happy Christmas. Um, huh? But in the last week or two, Gordon, I've been doing, and so have you, lots of online tastings. And can I ask you again, how did China... How was China? China was great. No, wow. it's just great to uh, see the see the enthusiasm for our whiskey. There is all over the place, but... Uh, you know, just unbelievable in terms of the uh, the demand for it and things. I mean, it, you know, we have to be very careful of China in terms of in terms of managing our supply in there. But no, fantastic, wow. really, really good. And what's good about that, Gordon, is the time difference is in your favour. Whereas I had to do America last week, and the time mm. doesn't. I did. Isn't in the favour. And I <laughs> did leave you to do that on your own. I'm <laughs> I'm afraid, but I'm. I, you, you, I think, yeah, you know, I'll do the next one. Well, listen, the, the reason I bring it up because there was. And there has been quite a few questions 
from the online tastings. Even last night I was doing one and I got that perennial question, um, water and whiskey, should you mm. do it? And I just thought this is maybe a good time. Christmas is coming up. People will be a bit more free time, maybe even buying a whiskey. And I've got a few questions. So maybe I'll be a bit of Christmas myth busting, Gordon, before we even do anything. What about that? Mm-hmm. Love to myth. I love to bust. I love to myth a few busts. Well, myth I love a few to bust. the water. Yeah. That I got a question about last, that last night. Uh, and what was the question? Should you should you not add water? What, what add water? Yeah. Well, even now when I go to do tastings around the world and I speak to, you know, whiskey connoisseurs, there's people who will never add water, and there's people that will add water, and there's people that will add water without tasting it, and you're you know there's a whole range of different. My view would be always. Taste a whiskey first. If if you like it, run with it. Um, and and also, you know, if you're at a whiskey tasting and you're, and I mean, the person says add water, try adding water. They're probably gonna they're probably gonna show you how a whiskey will change if that is the case. So, you know, higher strength whiskies, you should certainly consider adding water. You know, even at forty percent, not many people. You know, if you're new to whiskey, forty mm-hmm. percent yeah. alcohol strong. If you're hardened drinkers like us, sixty <laughs> percent alcohol is. Yes. So, um, you know, it's it's like all these things in life, and um, you know, absolutely, you should consider adding water. Not even water. Add ice if it's hot. Add whatever you want to whiskey. Just drink it and enjoy it, and all of that, all of those preconceptions and let's just get rid of them let's well, I, just I did enjoy have a it you covered that last week though but not everybody's listened to every second of the show but mm-hmm. another question from last night was about glassware we're all mm. drinking at the Glencairn glass and we had Paul Davidson from the Glencairn company that's wonderful glasses uh, but they said do you have to drink it out of a Glencairn glass um, no. I have other glasses can I do that yes uh, I mean if it's a whiskey that you are you know you enjoy it you don't need to you're not particularly trying the Glencairn glass is designed to be nose it's called the nosing glass um it's a nosing glass it's a glass to help accentuate the flavors of nosing which is great but once you've bought a whiskey and you've nosed it and you know it just relax and enjoy it and you know you don't have to drink it out of a Glencairn glass either. I drink my whiskey out of a... I was going to say a pint glass there, Gordon, but uh, I better not. Responsible <laughs> drinking and all that. Of course, of course. Uh, of just course. out of a nice rocks glass. Absolutely. Well, I've, another, uh, another myth, not myth busting, but another question from the last the couple of weeks of doing these uh-huh. online tastings. And can I just say, um, we're continuing them to do them in the new year. I don't think this is going to go away, Gordon. So No, we are, we are back with season three. Yes, we are. But even these online tastings with the Glen going, oh, sorry. And we're doing yes. that online tastings. But Pay attention, Gordon. Yeah. We will be back. But another question we got was just the difference. People like to know where Scotch whiskey sits within the American whiskies and the Irish whiskies. And I know we've covered it in previous episodes. If you're listening, go back and try and find that. But even last night, another question about what's the difference? Well, I mean, it's like all whiskies. They're all different for a reason. So whether that's through... In Scotland, whether that's through using peat, whether that's through the location, whether that's through the stills that design a different type of spirit, or is that through the casks, there's a whole range of difference within Scotland. So even pigeonholing Scottish whisky as one style is impossible to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing would be within Scotland, you've got blends and all the other types of varieties as well. As well. Uh, Irish whisky, generally lighter style, generally, but not always, different categories so they have single pot still um which is actually used with uh just with barley not malted barley so they actually use that was that was historically to get around taxation mm-hmm. issues um great great whiskies but generally renowned for being a bit lighter um but not always triple distilled the biggest myth of irish whiskey is always triple distilled not the case yeah. and uh, an american whiskey we obviously spoken to the van winkles about uh, American whiskey, but bourbon made predominantly with corn, um, and um, you know probably seventy percent corn, generally fifteen percent rye, fifteen percent malted barley. That's the major difference. The other thing, distilled differently, but also matured only in one type of cask, uh, which is the cask which we then use for ex bourbon. So, bourbon probably is the only whiskey in the world because it always sits in the same cask that I would compare whiskey with by age. Ah, right. Because bourbon is made... Uh, so if you compare a six-year-old bourbon maker's mark with a six-year-old, um, let's say, a wild turkey, mm-hmm. you are comparing like with like because they're both bourbons. They've both been matured 
uh, in rack houses and they've both been matured in a cask of the same size. So there you're getting a direct correlation between a six-year-old and a six-year-old. In Scotland, if you compare two 10-year-old whiskies, some may have been matured in bigger casks, some may have been matured in smaller casks. So, you know, there's a whole range That's of different factors in Scotland. And, and if you compare a 10-year-old whiskey from, let's say, India, uh, I don't think they even have 10-year-old whiskies in India because there wouldn't be any whiskey left in the cask because of the temperature. And a 10-year-old whiskey with a scotch or a 10-year-old with something else, you can't compare them because the starting point is not the same and the journey to 10 years is not the same. Great. So that's, that would be my view. That's a fantastic answer. And on the last part of this, uh, I thought you'd be a great person to answer this. I was asked uh, last week about the markets for Scotch whisky around the world. What are the main ones? Well, I mean, there's obviously the one um, which you spent a lot of time in the middle of the night speaking to, uh, which is, of Your course, the... East-West. Uh, East <laughs> yeah, America, quite quite a big, uh, quite a big diverse part of the world, America. Um, but it's um, it's uh, it's a big market for sure. And if we can get rid of these tariffs this year coming, that would be great. If we can get rid of this virus, that would be even better. Um, and then really we're looking at, if you look at the really big ones, we're looking at uh, Taiwan is still an important market. The only market in the world where single malt outsells blends, um, which is really, really interesting. Um, and then we're looking at something a bit like uh, probably China, of course. Um, and then other markets, you know, around the world, you know, outside those, the others are a little bit smaller, but, you know, France is still a big market for blends. Uh, in fact, in France, they drink more Scotch whiskey in a month. No, wait a minute. I need to get this Ooh, fact right. That, yeah, more Scotch whiskey drunk in a month than cognac is drunk in a year. Right. Wow. So there you go. So yes, there's still some big markets out there and there's other markets that will grow if you think of um, other parts of the world. So That's yeah, we, but, the, but the key point is here, we've talked about growing markets in Scotch for many years and there are only so many countries in the world. So um, there is a point where we have to also grow existing markets as well. And yeah. that is a really big point. And that's, that, that is to attracting new consumers and being very open and getting rid of, pre, getting rid of uh, preconceptions about our product and just getting people to drink it and enjoy it either with food, mix it, just drink it and enjoy it. Um, and, people are, and people are tending towards drinking less these days but drinking higher quality which that's, is great yeah that's very interesting you just mentioned food there gordon i'd like to mm. go on i did actually um drop into my very good friend diego who is across in spain now just interested we talk about spain to spayside with tamdu and indeed i'm going to have a tamdu 15 as my little christmas dram during the course of the show which is mm. i think you've drank it before in the show i haven't so i'm going to have a little dram of Tamdu 15 mm. and I just thought you know we talk about this the, the, the Spanish side of things and it's the, talking about the sherry cask but I just wanted to know what they ate at Christmas and what kind of whiskies maybe they would taste so here have a listen to this so Diego um, just very briefly outline what's a typical Christmas in your part of Spain oh that's that's pretty much dependent on each family there's usually some seafood um, in uh, in Catalonia, there's a, there's a there's a tradition of having a big, massive bowl of soup uh, with uh, some ground meat uh, with a massive meatball uh, in the soup, and then you re kind of spread that among the, the different plates and so on. And then the next day, you make cannelloni out of the leftover soup. Uh, that's probably the most typical date of uh, Catalan tradition. Um, alongside, you know, the usual uh, seafood components and potentially some roasted turkey or something like that. So you still have turkey appear somewhere in the dinner, but it's not the main component? No, some families are, I mean, it, it, we're talking big gatherings, probably not this year due to the situation. <laughs> but when you have over the lines of 15 people at the same table, you know, massive, massive bowl of soup and then some turkeys not going to left anybody uh, hungry or, or wanting. And, and then obviously the desserts, the usual sweets for Christmas and and coffee. And usu it's usually a five hour long meal at the very
it released. So five hours now in those five hours or the five hours after it, Diego, there must be some drams in there. What will Diego Boras be having over the Christmas period? Give us your three drams. Well, if we have any seafood involved, I'll probably have some lightly medium peated whiskey to go with it during the meal. Um, and then for dessert, if we have some sweet marzipani Christmas pudding-esque uh, dessert, depending on, on the household, I would go for a, a heavily sherried one, uh, probably a Tamdu 15. And then with the coffee and potentially some, you know, walnuts and almonds and dried nuts, uh, something a little bit over the lines of the Glengoyne 18. Sounds absolutely wonderful. I would love to join you, I have to say. Diego, <laughs> can I wish your friends and your family and indeed yourself a very happy Christmas and New Year when it comes. And we'll hopefully be speaking to you in the new year about a surprise. Well, I don't know. It's a, I know it's not a surprise, but a new venture. Let's just put it. Can we say that? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a project that is it has, has been ongoing for a while. So some people have been approached to... to give some feedback and hopefully, fingers crossed, and knock on all the wood available, um, it will be ready to go for, for the new year. Great, great. Let's just, that's something to look forward to. Diego Boras, happy Christmas! Absolutely. Happy Christmas, Gordon. Sanchez. Um, so that's it, Spain. Gordon, could you illuminate what you might have with the full Christmas dinner? What whiskies would go well? You know, if you do have the seafood, I think a lightly peated one is a nice idea to start um, us off. I mean, uh, if I'm honest, um, I would. Pr I think we generally have some seafood to kick it off, and uh, if I would have a little bit of a, a little bit of a little bit of a light lighter peated, not a, not a, not a big peaty, you know, probably no, a little cheeky more would be nice in there. Ooh, yes. Cheeky more twelve would be lovely with some smoked salmon to kick the whole thing off. I think um, I'd probably leave the turkey in the main course to some wine, I think, mm -hmm. um, and then power straight into the big sherry bombs with the Christmas pudding. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. and, and you wouldn't be far off with my Tamdu 15 there. No, I would not Gordon, be far off with the Tamdu Sorry, I interrupted uh, with that interview there. I never asked what you would be sampling during the Whiskey Unscripted Christmas special. Well, <laughs> I, funnily enough, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. I'm doing a little tasting ce soir. And I've just looking at the whiskies. There's a couple of whiskies that I don't know what they are. Um, um, so I'm uh, I'm currently sampling something completely blind, um, and um, it's it's very intriguing. It's very fruity. It's it's not one of ours. Uh, yes, was it one of ours? Uh, okay, okay. It's very nice. I have real no idea what it is. It'll be interesting to find out what it will be. Um, quite strong. Quite rounded. Um, not particularly Christmassy, if I'm honest, but uh, I think it's got a bit of age to it. Uh, but no, very, very nice. Very um, nice. Right. But I have no idea what it is. Well, so there we go. There you um, go. I'm lying yeah. The Tamdu 15 is lovely, 46 Absolutely lovely. Yep. Just, Lots of wonderful. sherry cats. Yeah. Uh, Gordon, we had, I cannot not have a Christmas special without looking back at some of the names that we've had on in Series 2. And I'm going to put together a small montage after we record this. <laughs> so I'm going to let people into a secret. I've not done it yet, but it will be a fantastic montage. But to You're great at montages. I've seen your montages. I love a montage. I absolutely love them. There's you no do. Wimbledon uh, without a montage at the end. You know, our World yeah. Cup without a montage. Sports personality of the year. Love a montage. There must be, you know, departments, you know, deep beneath the bowels of the BBC, the montage department, which I would love to get access to. But to inspire me, Gordon, I've got a list of the people... That we've spoke to over the last 12 episodes I hope I haven't missed anyone out could you just give me it's a little a little thing we do with the Christmas cracker um, tastings we do which is more of the fun Christmas tastings I've been conducting and in that we have a cocktail which is a highball uh -huh. and I went on to highball. I went yep. on to a <laughs> website with a New York socialite for cocktail conversations and one of the All first right. things you do is don't mirror invite people or mirror introduce people like saying hello Gordon and Dallas this is Gordon Dallas Gordon Dallas this is Gordon Dallas and walk away you in you, you you start the introduction with a fact and then that's how you introduce people so 
I was going right. to give you these people's name. Could you try and give me a fact about them? Does it have to be truthful? No. Absolutely okay, not, good. Gordon. <laughs> Never let the truth get in the way of it. One of our first guests, Gordon, was Susan Morrison of the Scottish Whiskey Experience. Susan Morrison. Um, I'll give you a couple of facts about Susan Morrison. <laughs> Obviously, she's been at the Scottish Whiskey Experience for many years. Um, she's now the chief executive, I think. That's right, um, from day one. And she's nothing to do with the supermarkets. No, that's a fantastic fact. Ewan Mitchell, a friend from Arden. Ewan Mitchell. So Ewan, I've known for a long time. Great. I'm really looking forward to catching up with a whiskey with a, a whiskey with him and the Aaron guys because they're fantastic. Ewan um, cut his teeth in Campbelltown um, uh, and 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 worked for Springbank for many years um, and made that leap from Springbank uh, into to work for Aaron and uh, uh, Ewan is uh, yeah he's a he's he's a good friend of mine so yeah he's a Campbelltown sort of. Yes. Probably where he cut his teeth most in the industry. That was a great episode. I really enjoyed that Aaron episode yeah. there. Uh, Mark mm. and Kate Watt, our independent bottlers. Well, Mark used to work for a company called uh, Duncan Taylor for a long time. Um, and then he also worked in Campbelltown for William Caden Heads. And Kate um, also worked for Springbank uh, and also worked for Glenn Farkless uh, ah. for a long time. Speaks very good French, does Kate. Um, and they've started their own business, obviously, Watt Whiskey, um, married, um, and uh, yeah, they're living in Campbelltown. Oh, right. another Every time I hear the word Glenn Farkless, I always think of the Dramathon, which is the mm. race through Speyside, which I hope will ha happen again this year in October. And you must do it if you're listening and you're fit enough to run a half marathon. And it starts at Glenn Farkless. And I, rem I remember begging the barman to uh, give me a wee dram before we started, looking around... <laughs> And everyone else was applying Vaseline to various parts of their body and doing press-ups. And I'm like, just give me, a dr give me a dram, please. And I think he did. Um, so, then we had Katie Muggeridge. And that was talking about the Rosebank 30. Um, yes. So, Katie um, is our brand manager for Glengoyne and for Rosebank. But originally started working for Ian McLeod as a tour guide at Glengoyne. Now... A lot of people that we employ now within the wider industry—it's all started at at um, as a tour guide at yeah. Glengoyne. So she's a, a sort of mill guy girl, as it was worked at there initially, sort of I guess at university or something like that, and now has become a brand manager in the really? business. And uh, that's a very much an Ian McLeod thing in terms of bringing people through the business and getting people to keep, retain staff which i think is a really important part so uh, yeah that's and i work pretty closely with katie just been on a long call with her uh, earlier today great and of course that was a great episode if you want to go back and hear talk about the the release of the global release of the rosebank 30 i'll do the next one it's just ellen vivian and laura are distillery ambassadors and i was on a a tasting with Laura last night, who's just done that, Gordon. She has been a tour guide, and she's now moving up the ranks of Ian McLeod, which I only found out last night. So I heard that as well. Fantastic. Laura Tunzi. She's <laughs> going to work with her sister, I think. Uh, uh, yes. Travel retail, which is Travel great. retail, I love which it. is an area that we hope will come oh, back yes. uh, next year. And Vivian and Ellen, their uh, mother and daughter, and they've been cooking it on the online tastings, doing very, very well um, there. And they are huge fans of the distillery and mm. uh, really on board with the whole online stuff. And then, Gordon, Preston Van Winkle, take it away. So, Preston Van Winkle is um, obviously part of the famous Van Winkle brand. Uh, his dad, Julian Van Winkle, um, I think Preston has... I think he has three sisters who are, they're not twins, they're triplets. I think he has three triplets wow. that are sisters of, I think that's right. Um, lives in Louisville, Kentucky, um, and is a huge advocate of American whiskey and came on and talked about, you know, just how the explosion in premium American whiskey has really come up. Preston is a very good friend of mine. I haven't seen him for a long time. But I've hung out with him in Kentucky a few times, and uh, well, quite a lot of times actually. Oh, um, and generally, Van Winkle's involved, yes. um, which is great because it's great, great whiskey. Great. Uh, very quickly, Alex Bruce, you had him uh, on talking about Ardna Merkin. Yes. So Alex Bruce, um, obviously, is, he's anyway. I'm just sort of he uh, has been involved in Adelphi for a long time, and and was at the sort of 
coal face of building the new Ardnamurchan distillery, which has just released its first release and a single cask in the last couple of uh, months. Um, and Alex is uh, Alex and I have a couple of mutual friends outside the industry. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's a great, great guy. Another, you know, like everybody in this industry, the people are what make this yeah, industry, yeah, and that's what we want to showcase on Whiskey Unscripted. It it's about the great, people as well. It was a great interview. And another gentleman, and I have to say, gentleman was your another very good friend who I met with you a couple of years ago up in Speysides, uh, Tatsuya Minagawa. Tatsuya, yes. Tatsuya is, I mean, you know, he really is a bit of a legend of this industry. Having worked with him for uh, two years, pretty much, where I was heading up the Scotch whiskies of a particular company, he was heading up the Japanese whiskies of Suntory, and we were working for the same the same company, effectively, which was Suntory. Um, we created a, and I think we mentioned this in the uh, in the um, interview, but yes. we did a Scotland v Scotland v Japan <laughs> tasting concept, which just captured the imagination. And uh, we came on to Rocky Music, and it was all very very funny. But Tatsuya obviously now running the Highlander Inn, and um, let's just hope these kind of places are fully open and people can return to Speyside. Another surprise, um, as another, soon as possible. of course, of course, another surprise uh, voice was Joanna Lumley, who there's many, mm-hmm. many facts about Joanna. But one fact is that this February or February 2021, there should be in the UK anyway, a travel programme featuring Joanna Lumley going round the UK. She was meant to be going round the Far East, but they changed plans and she went round some of her favourite places in the United Kingdom, mm. one of one of which is Glengoyne Distillery. And I took Joanna Lumley round. So I don't know if I'll make the cut or not, Gordon. There could be a floor with my face on it. <laughs> do you know where she was born? I do not know where the Lumley was born. She was ba- born in Kashmir, in British, in India. Oh, right, of course, right. So she's, um, yeah, there you go. I've wow. just looked that up on the internet. You would never have known that. I'll not, I'll not hang about too much. You just heard from our friend Diego Boras. All I would say, he's got a big project on next year, talking about food pairing, but we'll come back to that a few... Is that, uh, is that about nuts? That could be about nuts, Gordon, but that was a secret. But let's come back to that later on. Lauren Oliver we had on the show, uh, Insider's Guide to the Mashing. Absolutely, and Lauren is yet another, um, yes. yet another uh, Glen Goyne, uh, I don't know, tour guide, I yes. guess, who 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 has um, who's moved into a different part of the business. We've had Emma Newton, who was on the first series, who became a uh, part of the blending team. We now have Lauren, who's part of the production. We have people like Katie and Laura, who are part of the uh, know, the marketing side of things. So it's great to see um, that we can bring the youth and the amazing talent that we have at the at the at the distilleries, whether that be Edinburgh Gin or or Glengoyne, um, through to to. Work in the wider industry. She Fantastic. Loves, she loves her job. Uh, another man that loves his job, and if you go anywhere in the world and you go to a whiskey festival, I don't know if there's maybe one or two or three of these guys, but Scott Adamson, of ah, he yeah. just seems to be everywhere. Yep. Uh, last time I saw him, he had a dodgy moustache on. Scott is Scott's a great guy. Worked for White Mackay for a couple of years. Went back to Tamatin, um and has become a real um, advocate for them. Does a great job. Well-respected individual and uh, really, 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 really passionate about the wider whiskey world. I mean, loves yeah, Tomatin, but loves great whiskey from anywhere. And uh, you know, he's um, he is uh, yeah lives up in Allness, uh, I think, or lives up in north of Inverness. Um, and uh, yeah, great guy. And uh, t- I mean, saying all these names just makes me want to catch up with everybody and have a have a proper whiskey drink. I was which doing I a, called, online. Which technically is called a dram. A dram. Um, uh, in just in a bar, as things used to be. I was just, I was just about to interrupt you. I was doing an, on, an online uh, tasting with Scott with the Dram Busters down in Dumfries. You did, yes. And Scott was on first with Tomatin, and then I went on with our uh, Danielle. And I just made reference to a book, and I held it up to the camera, and it was a, a, a just a throwaway line. It wouldn't surprise you, Gordon, that about two days later, Scott emailed me and said, "What was the book?" I think I might want to buy it. You know, Adam Rogers, Proof, The Science of Booze, it was called. But just shows you attention to detail, loves his whiskey, wants to learn more. I'll do it. The next one was our brand uh, manager for, not brand manager, our brand home manager for Glen Goyne, Karen Cornfield, who was on talking Ah. about the difficulties in trying to steer a distillery through these changing waters. Um, And that was a, a great episode. And that's a tough job. 
trying to run any tourist attraction oh. during this uh, pandemic. Absolutely. And I think what's great about it is Karen has an amazing background in this, and that's what's really helped us through this. Um, she was with the National Trust for a long time. Um, and I think what what's really, really good about that is that she from that, you really understand um, the sort of wider implications of, uh, of um, how you deliver great, brand home service and I think what's really fantastic is that she's come on board she's made she's really really developed our uh, our business and she's she's great so no it's great to get her on board that was yep, fantastic that was very good and we can trust her that was a really bad joke uh, then we had finally almost <laughs> that, two, that is a bad joke yeah. two more it was, uh, and I tried to contact Diane Alton we had her on from Chaz which is a charity here in Scotland for uh, children with life limiting illnesses and we tried to raise a little bit of money on, online there with them. So she came on and talked about our fundraising with Fred McCauley, who, if you're not from Scotland, is a, a comedian of some repute in England and in Scotland, and also a ex-rugby legend, Andy Nichol. So that was a little episode when we talked about uh, raising money for the wonderful charity that is Chaz. And finally, I'll leave you with the last word. The man that's been on twice, our insider's guide to the stills. He got married this year as well, so I thought best leave the last word with Jason. Jason, Jason, our Jason. Newly married. Our, 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 newly married, married, PR, you know, star, um, Stillman. Um, yeah, no, Jason, top man. Saw him the last time I was at Glengoyne. Um, yep, newly married um, and loves loves working at Glengoyne. I mean, he's permanently on social media talking about Glengoyne. He yeah. really is. And he's a big, loves the wider whiskey world as well. And uh, always a joy to see his, his cheeky face and his bushy, bushy beard. <laughs> well, listen, that's not a bad, I hope I've not missed them there. So it's, what a, an amount of people we get through. And here, it's just a little flavour of those names that we've um, given you some facts for. Here is the montage. <laughs> whiskey fest chicago just those nights hanging out at delilah's with the with the whole with with the whole gang and um the post event kind of unofficial after parties at, at whiskey fest and whiskey live and those things were always just a lot of fun just getting to see you know getting to hang out with people from around the industry that you don't get to see outside of those events um it's always fun you know th there's obviously some competition the the uh the real competition is with the suits and the bankers and the lawyers and stuff but the the people you know boots on the ground folks um tend to get along industry-wide just fine i always telling people between whiskey from japan and scottish whiskey is equivalent of champagne and cover you know good champagne good cover both tasty made from same ingredients more or less same method, just just like that. So even if you look at only Scottish whiskey, one from Lafroig Distillery and one from Macaran, taste totally different. Even we call it Scottish whiskey. So maybe no point to compare between whiskey from Japan and whiskey from Scotland. Just your own preference. Well, one of the great things about drinking whiskey is people want to share great whiskies with the people, their friends, their community almost. So they will bring lots of other different whiskies to the island and you'll see these pop-up tastings happening all over the place as well. And it's just a, it's a real good feeling on the island. Yeah, we're, we're going to try and recreate some of that. I mean, just miscommunication, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, um, the, the difference between the word for cask and the word for crazy yeah. is pretty much yeah. the same. Yeah. It just depends on how you say it. It's like foot or foot. And so yeah. often yeah. I would say <laughs> I'm crazy instead of I cask. So I mean, just, um, <laughs> <laughs> the jargon, I think, was always the big one because it's like yeah. everything has this weird name that has no translation. <laughs> My go-to was always just say it in a really French accent and hope the best. It's yeah. the presage. Yeah, it would always work. Oh, it was yeah. like um, new make spirit. It was something like um, yeah. I used to just make stuff up all the time. I would it would change yeah. every tour because I never really knew what it was. So I'd just be like, mm, uh, distillat. <laughs> <laughs> I remember if your attempts. Yeah, see with the Canadian French as well. 
it's so yeah. different oh. and I didn't realise I literally thought I'd, I'd forgotten how to speak French I remember the first year I had was Canadian French um, and I genuinely thought I'd like my brain just wasn't working I was like I don't know how to do this like and you're just gonna have to adapt um, and try it <laughs> We're, we're all quite yeah. passionate about our whiskey, aren't we? So yes, I think yeah, that comes across. I think I sort of just fell into this job, really, because I was, like, freshly <laughs> 18. Um, and at the time, my sister was working here, and she said to me, you know, they're hiring, they're looking for students who speak a language. So I thought, oh, well, I might as well give it a go. And at this point, my only experience with whiskey had really been Jack and Coke. So um, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. But it's sort of this place where you just immediately get really into it. Mm. Like, mm. I don't know many of my friends who also, you know, had part-time jobs and things over uni. <clears throat> it was bar work or restaurants or cafes. And it was really just a matter of getting a paycheck. And I think I always felt like the odd one out because I actually loved my job. And I, it's something that, I mean, Glengoyne aside, whiskey industry in general is very, very friendly. and it just brings a lot of people together and you get to meet so many folk and it's just a really exciting job for an 18 year old to have and that sort of novelty hasn't really worn off over it's the past properly, three four years it's a properly diverse team though i mean it's mm. a really nice mix of age groups and a really nice mix of gender i would mm. say we're pretty even yeah. girls and guys and the age ranges from 18 to recently i think it was i don't mean to be rude about our lovely colleague janet um, but she was in her she was in octanarian was it octanarian is that the word 80s? yeah she was in her 80s. so, mm -hmm. so yeah. everything in between so um i think that gives a really nice feel to the place yeah. yeah it is lovely and you kind of come back from work and you've made best friends with a 70 year old and yeah. it's lovely <laughs> as an 18 year old you're getting all points of view it's great and then when I uh, was coming to the end of university, we had to go off and do a placement in a, in a foreign country. And I managed to blag my way into a job with Remy Martin, Cognac, mm. uh, in their marketing department on the Champs-Élysées in Paris. Oh, uh, tough gig. There were worse places. Um, yeah. Although I do remember that there was no air conditioning in this lovely old building. And it was an absolutely blisteringly hot summer. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that really got me into the kind of marketing of, I suppose, what you describe as luxury products mm. or luxury brands. And I came back to Scotland really wanting to get stuck into the whiskey industry. that's absolutely helped. I think the popularity of Scotch whisky generally grew, so people were more conscious of it. I think the malts were going, you know, there was more of an interest in the malts um, and the diversity of the malts and, and that then drew people back to, you know, the, the provenance of where, where Scotch whisky from, oh Scotland, where about in Scotland. Um, and then I think, you know, Scotland has such stunning landscape and the distilleries are all sitting in that landscape that I think it ticked lots of boxes for lots of tourists coming to the country. Um, so yeah, I think it's gradually grown, um, you know, through through all the information and it's much easier to get hold of information about whiskey now with all the digital stuff, but uh, the rise of the popularity of Scotch and then the fact that Scotland is just a brilliant country to visit um, has just all helped with moving visitors around the country to visit different distilleries. I think what we kind of came to terms with pretty early on was that what the visitor centre is great for is bringing in new people to not just the brand, but to whiskey as a whole. You know, people mm. drive past, we're, we're halfway between Inverness and Aviemore, great kind of tourist destination like yourselves down near Glasgow. So we get a lot of passing people that stop in and are introduced to whiskey through us. Yeah. And I think what we realised throughout lockdown was that we're going to struggle to really do that because there is this element of an echo chamber. You're speaking to people that are already interested in whiskey and to an extent your brand. So things like the Lockdown Whiskey Festival were great for bringing people in. Very uh, good, yeah. we, we did two of those with massive, massive outturns. But I think what we've been trying to do over the last few months, rather than do the sort of visitor centre experience, is kind of go back to what we did very, very well a few years ago, which was be in touch with the whiskey community, you know, the people that are already drinking the product and um, and kind of add value to that. So the sessions that we've been doing, similar to yourselves on the on the podcast here, is it's not a weekly Tomatin or Glengoyne advert. It's yeah. 
it's a conversation about whiskey with people that love whiskey and maybe people that you wouldn't always uh, as a consumer get to engage with so yeah. i've been lucky to speak to coopers and um, bartenders and whiskey club organizers and things like that so yeah. great to dive behind the scenes and see the cogs that make the whiskey machine turn as a young girl, you don't really drink whiskey because it's always, it was a sherry for the lady, a glass of white wine for the lady, you know. But I think it was actually at Dundee Rep. Um, I was doing Hedda Gabler up in Dundee Rep and the great, now dead, actor-manager there called Robert Robertson. That was me zipping up my front in case people thought I was <laughs> chronic, <laughs> chronic indigestion. He said, what you would like, what you ought to have after we've done rehearsals is just a small glass of whiskey. And I said, really? He said, yes, just a, he used to put a drop of water in it, just an opener, just a drop. Do they still do that? Yes, of course they do. Just a tiny drop, not, not watering it down. And it was so delicious and it made me feel, f it was fine. I didn't drink a lot. I didn't get, dr I never got drunk because I hate getting drunk. But the taste of that whiskey, I thought, this is a gorgeous drink. Can you believe that's 12 episodes, Gordon? I can't believe it's 28. I know, 28. That's like, if we were doing, that's like, no, over, we've done over half a year, if you did one a week. Yeah. That's amazing. That is. Um, over half a year of, um, and, and if you actually just, ladies and gentlemen, obviously, although, and I know you can probably see all this, but although it's called Whiskey Unscripted, I think people can see the amount of effort and scripting that does actually go into this. <laughs> Right. Um, and nice. I think if we, you know, I think, you know, we, we, we prepare, you know, each episode takes a good two days to prepare. Um, <laughs> and I think when you, when you hear how we deliver it, it's yeah. in that uniquely way that people think it's unscripted, but then go, hmm, no, it definitely is unscripted. <laughs> Last episode, we did an advent calendar and we got to 12 whiskies. Here they go. We had Bullet, we had Arna Merkin, Redbreast, Tam Do 12, Paul John, uh, Kilhoman with Glen Morangi Cake. Uh, we had the Six Isles with Glengoyne Legacy 2, Pig's Nose, Hibiki, and the Smokehead Sherry Bomb. Just to complete the advent calendar, let's try and see if we can put another 12 whiskies that we might want to, I don't know, sample over the next fortnight. Just to complete our advent calendar. Have you? Did we put a Tam Do 15 in there? We didn't. Oh, you, you're drinking it. It's very Christmassy. Okay, time to do 15 is in the, at number 13. Um, I'm also going to go for something a little bit different. I'm going to go for a whiskey that I actually really like. It's grown on me now more than it has done. Is Laphroaig Lore. Ah. That was, for want of a better word, they brought that into their range a couple of years ago. And uh, it was all about them. It, it, it really unique cast brought together it's a really great whiskey actually i think it's a bottled at 48 from what i can remember um peated obviously so um yeah a great lafroig which a bit of nice richness in there which is great that's fine i thought i did but i must have taken it back out there i did have my uh mcmira uh, whiskey which i've forgotten but i haven't written in the first section so i'm going to put it into number 15 the swedish single malt uh, which shows a sort of real growth in the scandinavian um, market for producing whiskey now. Finland yeah. are doing it, Sweden are doing it. It's really um, becoming quite an important part of mm -hmm. their industry. Nice. Hello, Gordons. Christmas greetings from Finland. My name is Juhis Virkla and I write whiskey blog called Finn Whiskey. I bet most of you have not heard that we make whiskey in Finland. Or maybe you know this last month when Terrible Distillery won the best worldwide whiskey producer of the year title in IWSC competition. Terenbeli is the oldest ongoing distillery in Finland, but of course, in Scottish scale, it's very, very young distillery as they started distilling in 2002. We Finns are also very proud of our rye. Rye bread is an essential part of our meals, and nowadays, we have two very promising distilleries that produce rye whiskey, Kura Distillery Company and Helsinki Distilling Company. Many of you may know Kura from their gin, but I really recommend trying their Kura rye malt whiskey if you get a chance. It should be available in UK and Germany. That will be my choice of tram this Christmas. So, if you want to know more about Finnish whiskey industry, I recommend you to follow Finn Whiskey in Instagram and Twitter. One more thing. We have seen Mr. Dallas in live events in his sauna. Did you know that in Finland there is 5.5 million people and 3.2 million saunas? In fact, I am recording this at the sauna. 
Merry Christmas from Finland to all the listeners of Whiskey Unscripted. Here is soon. I'm liking that. Very good. Um, I'm going to go for a whiskey which I've never tasted yet, but it's actually produced by um, a friend of mine, Dan Woolley, in Australia. Um, and the only reason I, is I really need to get a bottle of it when I can. And he's produced a whiskey out there called Highwayman. Uh, mm -hmm. um, um, and it's a really dark sort of um, whiskey um, bottled in very small batches. They don't have a lot of it. It's a, from Lord Byron Distillery, so I would imagine sort of Byron Bay area. Um, and they, it's been just totally flown off the shelf um, out in Australia. But uh, I, I would love to try it. I've heard the reviews are fabulous and uh, dark color. Um, and um, yeah, just a really different sort of craft distillation of uh, of, of a whiskey. I'd love to try. So um, I'm going to put that on my list. That's a very good one, Gordon. That's these ones left of left of centre. You just wouldn't uh, think about that. Is very interesting. Um, I am number seventeen. I, I, I was going to keep this for the last, but it's in my thoughts. And you just go what's what's in your thoughts. It's unscripted, Gordon, and that was the. The cask of the moment that you and Robbie and your panel of experts chose oh, oh. at one of the live oh, whiskey Facebook nights in November, I think it was, wasn't it? Cask 38 you chose, which was a Glengoyne, um, distilled in 2005 at 53.6% and it was matured entirely in a port pipe. Decadent oh. would be the word I would describe that as. Beautiful whiskey, uh, chosen by the public. Uh, it was between that and the... Uh, Madeira cask, I think, and the port cask came through in the end. Decadent, um, really, really lovely, lovely whiskey, um, and sold out really, really quickly. But a great one if you have any to to get open at Christmas time for sure. Definitely yeah, that sort of very beautifully structured, but has that sort of dryness and that berries of the port. Really, really lovely whiskey. Uh, so that's seventeen, the Glengoyne port cask, and uh, at eighteen, what have we got? Well, I thought I'd go for an 18-year-old at 18, um, and it is my favourite whisky that we produce um, uh, from Glengoyne. It is the Glengoyne 18. Uh, I love the Glengoyne 18-year-old. I think it's one of the finest 18-year-olds in the yeah. out there because of the way that the balance we get between the casks and the of the sherry casks and the beautiful Glengoyne style. It really is a liquid apple strudel. Very Christmassy as well. At number 19 coming in, the Whiskey Unscripted Advent Calendar. I think I'd like to raise a glass because I've got very good memories of um, doing a little gig, I could call it, for Gordon and McPhail, who were hosting the 2018 Spirit of Speyside Festival. And they held it at Ben Romach. And they brought me up and I did the opening uh, dinner sort of chat uh, guest speaker and they gave me a tour in the afternoon of Ben Romach and I maybe had a little bit too much of it than I should have done Gordon but I'll put up the Ben Romach even just a 10 year old lovely just slightly great as well really nice yeah. lovely distillery Keith up there the manager great guy had a good chat with him all night so I'll have a and I, I just like whiskey should Gordon evokes great memories as well as great taste yeah no I couldn't agree more Ben Romach is a great 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 people, great, great whiskey. I'm going to go back to a place that I lived many years ago. <laughs> um, and I'm going to pick a whiskey which is, um, I think, one of the finest examples of New World, for want of a better word. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the word New World, but um, a Cavalan. Um, Cavalan has some beautiful sherry casks. Um but I just drank a whiskey of theirs called Simply Cavalan Sherry Oak. Beautiful whiskey. Um, they use great quality casks. Uh, produced in, in in just south of Taipei, about an hour and a half south of Taipei on the east coast. Cavalan's a big, big distillery um, and was run by a gentleman for many years called Ian Chang, who's just joined Karazawa Distilleries in, uh, in Japan. Congratulations to him, good friend of mine. Um, great whiskey, and um, you know, great to see these new world distilleries producing whiskies that can can fit into our into our top twenty four whiskies of the world. Now they caused quite a ripple, did they not? Win a big award, World Whiskey of the Year, with one. Oh, they have, yeah, they have. So I mean, oh, as purpose. did, and that's what really 
15 odd years ago really transformed Suntory in Japan and Japanese whiskey and took it to the next level and you know there's some great great quality um uh, whiskies from around the world out there as well, for oh, sure. That's great. I would like just to do a whiskey again. It's good memories. Uh, Bal Blair and the Bal Blair. If I could choose one, the Bal Blair ninety, which I oh, do like. A ninety drama. years old. It's not ninety. It's just it's, I think it was oh. distilled in nineteen ninety. That's how they do it. But that would be if I had a bottle of that. And I remember one of the blue badge guides that comes round the distillery. He's called Ronnie Berry. If he's listening, how are you doing, Ronnie? And I mentioned to him about um, a certain whiskey fe- festival, the Ian McLeod stall is mobbed and so is the Bal Blair stall. And he said, and I said, Matt, 90 is lovely. Because I know Robbie Hughes, our distillery manager, worked there for a while. And Ronnie yeah. said, I think I've got some in my car. So he went away down to the car park, got a sample, brought it back, and I had a wee drink that night. So lovely people in the world of whiskey, as you mentioned. And that's a lovely sherry uh, whiskey distilled in 1990. So that'd be my nice. 21st. So are we on twenty two now. We're on twenty two. Oh, I'm I'm beginning to struggle if I'm honest, but I'm gonna I'm twenty two. I'm I'm going for two particular uh, styles of whiskey for my final. I'm gonna go for a whiskey which is hard to find these days, but for me, just um, is a whiskey that I've always thoroughly enjoyed. Um, if anybody can find it and can get me a bottle, please. It was a Ochentoshin, and ah, it came out nice. about. Um, it was fully wine matured. Um, and it was um, it was a it was strong, but it was a wine matured Ochentoshin. Uh It wasn't that old, and it was a, a you know it was like nearly sixty percent, but it was just red wine matured Ochentoshin. Absolutely stunning whiskey, one of the best Ochentoshins I'd ever mm-hmm. tried. It wasn't particularly expensive; it was a limited release, but it was an absolutely sensational whiskey. Um, uh, so if anybody can find the one that I mean, I'm, I'm right in for it. Right in for That's it, right. as Gordon, it were. Are you a man that finishes the advents in 24 or 25? This is a discussion. Some have a lovely big chocolate for the 25th and some just finish in 24. What, 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 what's your history of advent calendars? Limited. Um, uh, <laughs> normally I've eaten all the chocolates by the second. <laughs> well, um, let's go to 25, which means I'll do 23. I just think we should... Um, I'm just trying to think of ones that I've personally had a taste of, and I, and I really like the people from the Cotswold Distillery. We tasted it in one of the episodes a few uh, episodes ago, and I had a lovely Cotswold um, 46% single malt, and again, English single malt, which a lot of people think, what? But it's a fine whiskey, and they're doing very well. And um, I just thought I'd shout for an English whiskey, our close cousins yeah. south of the border absolutely so there's one for the Cotswolds just so you can try a lovely uh, English single malt so you've got two nice. more 24 and 25 right I think we should both do a 25 I'm going to do a 24 um, I'm going for the teapot dram uh, in fact, it have, is Christmas in a glass it is European oak it is dark it is rich it That's is it, <laughs> it is perfect for this time of year Excellent. you cannot have Christmas without a teapot dram Teapot Dram, the legendary Teapot Dram, and I was telling people about the story last night online, just how the teapot used to be the receptacle for mixing all the, the malts that the guys couldn't drink when they were on shift, when they got three whiskies a day as part of their paying conditions. A bit like ourselves today, Gordon, because I'm onto a wee teapot now myself. And the 25th, I'm going to choose I'm going to choose the one that Katie Muggeridge came on and chatted about in one of the episodes that you made reference to, is the Rosebank 30-year-old's. What a way that would be to wake up on Christmas morning. And about as far away from the teapot drama as yes. you can get yes. in terms of style. And that's fantastic. So Completely triple distillation and bourbon barrels. Yep, no, definitely. Definitely. So, Rosebank Theatre. Oh, I didn't steal your thunder there, Gordon. No, no, no. You haven't stolen my thunder. Not at all. Not at all. I'm going to go for a... I'm going to go for a bit of a dream dram. Uh, I'm going to go for a whiskey that... Um, I drank about 15 or 16 years ago, and I'm remembering the whole experience. Um, and I think I've mentioned this before. It was a Balblair 38. Ah. Uh, Balblair's had two missions in this. A Balblair 38 was all about the great whiskey, the moment, the time, the place. It was an exceptional whiskey. It is one of the finest whiskey experiences I've had was drinking that at that particular moment in time. And I think it really sums up just it was a very convivial lots of chat and people and fun and and, and the whiskey was just the most amazing compliment to it and so i would like to 
Sample that whiskey again. What a whiskey. Well, that's us finish our advent calendar. Well done, Gordon Dunsass. What a card. I will have to do that again next year. That's absolutely wonderful. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas from everybody here at Tamdu. It's Sandy, the distillery manager. And I'm going to be sitting on Christmas Day enjoying, I think it'll be a Tamdu Batch Strength 5 that I'll be having at some point. I hope that everybody has a smashing Christmas and here's hoping that 2021 is better for all of us. Take care and stay safe, folks. Bye. I will let you officially say we'll be back. Yes, we'll be back. We will be back. We're really excited about it. We're going to be back next year with Series 3, Season 3, uh, the return of the unscripted. Uh, yeah, look, we love look, we love doing it. People still listen to us, um, and we'll do it as much as people still want to listen to it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's probably fair. That's um, we might even we can't start A to Z's again though. No, no, no. Don't, that, we, that was a one hit wonder. We might be a wee bit more out and about. You never know what we might be able to achieve in the new year. Yeah, well, I think if we could be out and about a bit more, and even we will look at maybe doing even a. Doing it live on on YouTube and things as well. We we looked thought about doing that this year, but we'd rather do that when we're both in the same room. I think it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So um, yes, we will be back. So as please. well, Gordon, when we did the Tamdu uh, tasting last week, which was a great tasting of the travel retail whiskies, the Heathrow yeah. single cask and the Edinburgh Airport single cask, yeah. which have been sitting there gathering dust when the airports have been virtually closed, we've managed to get them back, and they're now available uh, I don't know if they're, they're probably all sold out now but if you really want a great single cask whiskey unbelievable but oh, on yeah. that night no, definitely. you mentioned about the Speyside Festival is coming back and you were proven right I know that was a complete I, I'd had heard of that earlier that day but the yeah. Speyside Festival is coming back and uh, it's um, it's great to hear that let's hope that we can actually deliver it and be there and do tours and all the usual things um, I still think it'll be uh, it, it, you know, things will still be a little bit restricted by that point, but let's hope that we're in a in a semblance of normality by then. That would be absolutely great, and the only opportunity for anybody to come and see uh, Tamdu. And I think the tickets go on sale on the website, the, not our website, the Spirit of Space side website, in about March. Yeah, I've had emails already about that, Gordon. After you would mentioned it that night, I've had emails saying. <laughs> Can you reserve? I can't. It's not ours. It's the Spirit of Speyside's festivals. Gordon, I thought to finish the show, a little uh, finale, is I have been doing um, some Christmas evenings with companies that cannot get together for a Christmas party. And we've had a bit... It's more fun. So, you know, it's just, just after a tough year, they get a whiskey kit. And usually in the whiskey kit, there's a, a ginger ale to make a highball. Then there's some Ian Burnett chocolates. We do some whiskey and chocolate pairing. And there's other some uh, uh, whiskey from Glen Goyne. So it's just a lovely evening. But there's also a bit of fun going on there. So I just thought I would like to challenge you, as we've started uh, the podcasts in the past with challenges, I'd like to finish 2020 with a Christmas cracker Gordon Dundas challenge. Are you up for it? Oh, why is it always my challenge? Why can't I? I should think up one for you, but okay. It starts very easy. It's very simple. You'll get this, but this is for really for people that are not hugely familiar with whiskey. So older whiskey, it's just yes or no. They've got cards, yes or no cards. You hold it up to your camera. Uh, so you just say yes or no. Older whiskey is always darker in colour. No. Correct. Um, the age in the bottle means that all the whiskey in that bottle must be that age. No. Correct. Uh, there's a rule about the size of a cask. It can be too big. Is that a yes or a no? Yes. Is the correct answer. That's right. Yes. Um, the colour... 700 litres is 700 the 700 litres. Uh, yeah. Our biggest is the port pipes, I think, in Glen Goyne. About 600. All the colour in any Scotch whisky, malt whisky, blended whisky, comes from the cask alone. Nothing else. And that's... I'm talking about any Scotch whisky. Not true. Correct, not true. It's you can, you're allowed to use E150. Okay. Caramel colour. Now we start to move off the road and start to go a little bit <laughs> erratic. Okay. Quirk and Scottish law. Remember, this is a Christmas cracker night. The only place you can distill spirits at home without a licence is on the Isle of Barra in the Hebrides. 
yes or no? Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be yes. I've got him. I've got him. I just made it up, Gordon. Absolutely made that one right up. And then, nice. so that's one to be. Um, a visual one. Is this a Scotch whiskey? And I've put a Santa beard over a green labelled bottle. And the date dates from 1608. And the question is, is it a Scotch whiskey or not? Not, 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 not a Scotch at 1608. Correct. Bushmills. That's their, on their is bottle. Is Bushmills? Bushmills, uh, 1608, on their, I, I think it was basically a, a, a farm. Um, and then we have uh, the famous Glens. We, we like Glen Goyne. I've got a whiskey here. That I've covered half the name. Dronach is the last part. <laughs> is it a Glen or is it a Ben? <laughs> it's a Glen. <laughs> and then I have another <laughs> one. I, I, I've got Romach, which I've mentioned already. Is it a Ben? Or is it a Glen? It's a Ben. <laughs> it's a Ben, oh I do other famous Glens and famous Bens, but that's that's by the by. And the final challenge, Gordon, <coughs> to finish this off, yep. it's a Christmas cracker challenge. I went through ten Christmas crackers. I'll just pick the best. Uh, got the worst jokes I could and blanked out one of the words. So, right. why has Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister, bought mistletoe this year? And try and guess the answer. And the go the gag is because he's tired of being in the what market? In the single market. Yes. You see where I'm going with this now. Yes, um, I do. Rudolph. Yeah. Rudolph's favourite pop star is Beyond. Uh, Beyond Slay. <laughs> You're getting it, Gordon. Come on. This is the finale of the whole year of Whiskey Unscripted. Uh, finishing yeah. with some Christmas gags. Gordon and Dash just has to guess the words that I've missed out here. What's a dog's favourite carol? Blank, the herald angels sing. Bark, the herald angels sing. <laughs> He's got that one right. <laughs> and my final question. Who is Christmas... What or who is a Christmas tree's favourite singer? Blank, Springsteen. Spruce. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> And oh, on that dear. one, Gordon, I'll not even do Why Did the Choir Have to Cancel the Carol Concert, the Tinselitis. I'll not even go there. But um, that is the um, Christmas cracker in a nutshell. Just a wee flavour of what we've been doing online, having a laugh and having some whiskey. Surely that's what it's all about. Absolutely. The key thing is here, everybody, just enjoy whiskey. And uh, that's what we do doing this. We hope you enjoy it. Have a great and peaceful holiday period to everybody. And uh, it's we will see you next year with uh, the return. Whiskey Unscripted, the return. Great. Gordon Dadas, thank um, you very much. Let's lay a grass and wish you great health and prosperity for 2021, everyone. On the whiskey trail. Oh, stay in the